All right, everybody. Cheers. Welcome to The Water Cooler. The Water Cooler is a show about marketing, sales, and technology. Each episode, we focus on bringing you advice that works. Today, we're joined by Adam Contos, the CEO of Remax. And we're going to discuss how top producers maximize their productivity. You know, we can learn a lot from the leadership team at Remax. Uh, they've held the number one market share position in U.S. and Canada combined since 99, uh, measured by uh, the total amount of transactions completed by agent. And Chris, I know you're a fan of Remax. We know a lot of Remax agents. Mm-hmm. We work with a lot of Remax agents. You've spoken at R4. You know, when yeah. you were with Inman, man, uh, you know, decades ago, it feels like, you know, you partnered with them to create some educational content for Remax. Before yeah. we bring Adam on, I-, I-, I want you to maybe just share, you know, what you, what you admire about the Remax brand, being so intimately involved with them over the years. Yeah, well, it wasn't decades ago, just to be clear. <laughs> You're speaking in hyperbole. Yes. But yes, I have a long relationship with, with Remax. It's been one of the companies I've enjoyed working with. Their conference, R4 in Vegas, is one of a kind. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing that I would say makes Remax stand out, at least in my humble opinion, is they work with serious business people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when you think about the average agent out there or the average sort of call it persona or stigma of a realtor, you do sometimes think of them as being like semi-retired or part-time, or Mm -hmm. they just do a couple deals a year. And Remax is all about productivity per person. I mean, you can't hang out with their organization for too long without hearing that over and over. Mm -hmm. They want to work with people that produce. They really are in many ways, the home of top producers. And I'll tell you a quick story. The other thing I admire about Remax is their brand. Um, not every real estate company has a brand that consumers know. Mm-hmm. And when you see the balloon, you think Remax, you think real estate. The balloon is the brand. And mm-hmm. I, I was actually a little bit of a humble brag here, but I was traveling to Barcelona and I connected through Milan. And as I landed at the Milan airport, I realized that there were two airports there and that I was actually connecting from the other airport, not the one I landed at. Mm -hmm. So at like eight in the morning in Milan, Italy, I had to take a cab from one airport to the other. And about halfway on the drive, I look out the window of the cab and there's the freaking Remax balloon (laughs) flying in Italy. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, wow, what, what an amazing feeling to build a global brand uh, that people recognize. And honestly, Adam, you know, the other thing I admire about you personally is you, you've done the work, man. You have a great resume. You've done a lot of jobs at Remax. Now you're the CEO. You've been involved in marketing. You were the COO. You ran the Florida region. You, you know, you've, you've really worn a lot of hats over a long time. So props to you because the last time we interviewed you, mm-hmm. believe it or not, it was six years ago. Wow. And it was about <laughs> agent safety, which I know is still near and dear to your heart. You know, having the background as a SWAT tactical commander, former uh, Marine Corps reserve member, you know, so you're a tough dude. But I guess this episode's about productivity, marketing productivity, sales productivity, organizational productivity, but from your perspective, like why is the North Star at Remax productivity per person? Why have you guys decided to make that 
your focus when other companies maybe look at total number of agents or maybe total number of offices? You guys are still about that PPP. I, I, I love this question, Chris, and, and thanks for the, uh, the, the insight coming into this with the balloon in Italy and things like that. That's pretty cool to hear. Uh, every time we hear, you know, stories like that, it just, it kind of warms your heart a little bit because you just kind of go, yes. And, and you look at it and go, all right, it's, it's, it's working. So, um, you know, it, it is about, it, it's about entrepreneurship. It's about being somebody who runs your own business. And what do we want to be as we run our own business? We want to be the best that we can be. So uh, Dave Linegar, when he started the company in 1973, he said, I want to create an environment where agents can be as successful as they want to be. Mm-hmm. That, that's really what he says. I mean, just to the word. I want to create an environment where agents can be as successful as they want to be. So it's all about that. It's about seeing how much productivity an agent can get to. And we, you know, we celebrate it. You've been to, to the R4 convention. You were talking about that. I mean, that's a big part of it is, is the awards and mm-hmm. um, the celebration of success. But ultimately, um, you know, it boils down to how do we get there? How mm-hmm. do you get to that point of productivity? I know that's, uh, you know, that's really what you guys focus on is how do you get to the point of productivity? So perfect conversation for this. I love it. Well, and then I'm just to expand on it a bit. Why aren't agents more productive? You know, you become an entrepreneur and a lot of cases, I think for our audience and our fans, and our community, they see themselves as business owners who happen to sell real estate. Mm-hmm. So you have complete freedom to do whatever it is you want to do. You're not being dictated by uh, a middle manager who doesn't really know what you're supposed to be doing. So why aren't agents more productive today? What, what are some of the pitfalls you see that that sort of plague this industry that make them either underachievers or underperformers? I, th- I think the biggest reason for that is, is our emotional maturity. Emotional maturity is choice management and how we, how we choose to spend each minute of each day when it comes to being as effective as possible in the business. Mm-hmm. So um, really the, you know, the, the best businesses out there spend the most time focusing people on the fewest things. Mm. And, and that's ultimately what, what you have to take a step back and look at your business from the perspective of. And I, you know, like, like you guys take a lot of the, the marketing, uh, you know, piece, a lot of the, you know, curation of knowledge piece away from people so they can spend time. Uh, I call it time on target, you know, mm-hmm. which, which is when you're spending the time face to face with your customer, looking at them directly that's when business happens. It doesn't happen when you're wandering around trying to figure out, okay, what can I do to add to my business? Yeah. Because then you're, you're just like this hoarder mm-hmm. of stuff in the industry mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't work out very well for the business. So ultimately, you know, it boils down to figuring out how do I become the most efficient business owner possible? Yeah. And, and that means you got to outsource certain things and that means you have to insource and super focus on certain things and it's creating that balance. It's that, that, that emotional maturity to make those choices to, uh, to focus on the right things and outsource the right things. It, well, it reminds right? me, Jimmy, of a great book, The 4-Hour Workweek. If mm-hmm. anybody watching this hasn't read The 4-Hour Workweek, it's a must-read. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you can listen to it if you run, you know, speaking of productivity. But the concept is that if you only had four hours a week, to work, mm-hmm. 
what would you do with those four hours? And you probably shouldn't do anything but what would be on that short list. Yeah. And, and you're right, Adam. It's, and Jimmy and I say this all the time. If you're not focusing on acquiring a new customer or keeping a customer or turning a customer that you've worked with into a new customer through referrals or word of mouth, what are you working on? Mm-hmm. No, and I do think that a lot of agents get caught up in the minutia. Um, most of the successful people that we work with at Curate are Remax agents and from other companies. They have transaction manager. They have buyer's agents. They have marketing help, right? Because you can't do it all. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the biggest challenges is, uh, and, and this is something I've had, you know, with, with some Remax agents, I've had this conversation and I'd love to hear you address this, Adam. How do I outsource some of these activities if they won't do it as good as I would? Mm-hmm. How do you address that? Because I hear that a lot where they want to let go and they want to delegate, but they, they feel like it would create an issue for their brand or for their business because the other person wouldn't do it the way I would do it or as well as me. What do you say to that? I I love this question, Chris. Uh, And you have to look at this as an account. You're you're spending time and and you you basically put time into this account. Mm -hmm. And you can put time into this account to spend it yourself going out and trying to, to, to do these projects. Or you can put the time into this account and you can spend it on an expert. Mm-hmm. So, what you do is take a month, for instance. How much time over a month would you spend going and doing this yourself as an agent? Let's, let's say it is uh, Facebook marketing, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's, just, let's call it that. And they just, they just did another change on, on the Facebook ads creation piece. So, you had to go in and figure that one out again also. And there's always stuff going on and we're getting into an election year. So, how do you deal with an election year advertising? Whatever it might be. But but the reality is, let's say you're trying to spend time on Facebook marketing agent, and it's going to take you, let's say, 40 hours this month to do that, and then 40 hours next month to do that, and then 40 hours the following month to do that. Now, what if you just took those 40 hours for this month, and you spent that time tuning up an expert, knowing that if you put that 40 hours into that expert this month, you wouldn't have to do it the next month or the month after that. Mm-hmm. So, realistically, it's a, it's a short-term give for a long-term gain. Mm-hmm. And everybody's, everybody's in this industry, everybody's in this business or their business for a short-term gain. That's not what you should be looking for. You should be yeah. looking for, how do I make these short-term deposits for the long-term gain? And if it means outsourcing something, spend the time now. Spend the money now. Yeah. Make get something straight. Exactly. It's like, it's like building a website. How much time have you, agent, how much time have you spent building your website and go, oh, it sucks. I'm going to go do it again. Or I'm going to go learn WordPress or I'm going to go, you know, yeah. I mean, come on. Well, you know, it's interesting to hear you say that. Um, one of the things that early in, during the, uh, the pandemic, there was a moment where we had to make the decision. We asked ourselves a simple question, which maybe many business owners uh, had the same thought process that goes through their mind. We said, are we going to be in business in 12 months? And we asked ourselves the question because now when, we, when the answer was yes, we need to start acting like it. 
And, and, and there was a moment where we were, you know, cutting costs like everybody else, you know, operating out of fear. And, and listen, that's natural. It's, 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 it's human to sort of, you know, in, in, the, in the midst of all that chaos. But I think what I'm hearing you say is this idea that like, you need to act like you're going to be in business in 12 months and, and 36 months and 48 months. And what type of business do you want to build? Because I, I, I'm always shocked when an agent builds their own website, not because curator sells websites, because they're proud of that. And I'm wondering myself, like, this is what we do all day long. Why aren't you focusing on the thing that actually drives revenue for your business as opposed to, because if you compete against us, you're not going to win because we live and breathe and eat this stuff. The same way that I think a lot of agents right now take pride in like doing the, the, the manual work because they think it's uh, 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 maybe a badge of honor when in fact it's just sort of sacrifice in the future. Adam, when you think about the canary in the coal mine, the, the, the signal that you are an unproductive agent, is there, a, is there something that you, because like I'm, I was asking myself before the call, Chris, I was like, I'm like, am I productive? Like I, I didn't even, like, I wasn't even like how, like, how the hell do I measure that? Like, is there a canary in the coal mine? Is there a signal that you look at to say, if you're, if this is you, you are not nearly as productive as you potentially could be? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, what are you voting for here? Your actions vote for what you want to be. And I, I have a, um, I, I always do a time audit on myself. Mm -hmm. I, I love this. So, uh, and part of my time audit is, or essentially my time audit is, I write down everything I do every hour and I put a P or an NP next to it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that, that right there is, that's the easiest way to do it. If you're just going through the day mindlessly going, oh, look, it's almost dinner time. What did I finish today? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you got a problem. If, if life is just passing you by and you can't look at your planned day, because you're in business. I mean, every day, is, every day is another day to either make money or lose money. Mm -hmm. there's, there's no coasting in life. Mm -hmm. So you either have more P's than NP's mm -hmm. or not. And just do the math. What's your, what's your net that day? Are you, are you net zero? Did you get as much productive work as non-productive work or where, yeah, you're, you're looking for the most number of P's in that timeline as possible. It's, it's just simple. Yeah. Um, and, and really those P's, you already touched on what you should be doing. You should be getting a customer, touching base with an existing customer or closing a deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's pretty much it. Uh, you know, obviously showing houses or being with a customer to show houses or something like that as part of it. But um, these other things, if, if they don't either equate to one of those or lead to one of those, and, you know, to go back before, learning WordPress does not equate to getting a customer. Yeah. I'm sorry, you can't directly correlate it to that. You're just, you're spending time trying to figure out something that you could pay somebody for. Yeah, I have one quick follow-up there. Sure. So let's, let's say I spend two hours prospecting, right? But that does not lead to an appointment. Is that a P or an NP? I, I would say it's a P. It's a P. Because you're, you know what you're doing? Um, and, and, and I don't mean prospecting like just dialing and reading a script. Mm -hmm. I mean prospecting as, um, okay, that one didn't work because of. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's plan, do, review, improve is this iteration of trying to get better instead of wasting time. And you need to be honest with yourself about it. You know, it could be an NP prospecting. Mm -hmm. You know, prospecting is not surfing Facebook. Mm -hmm. People, people that, you know, what are you doing? I'm working on Facebook. No, you're not. You're reading your timeline is what you're doing. 
Yeah. Or, you know, I was at Prospect, I was at Starbucks meeting people. No, you were at Starbucks having coffee. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, you know, you got, you got to be honest with yourself with what truly what your actions are. It's like going, hey, I, I work out. Okay, what did you do? I went to the gym and I walked on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, did you break a sweat? Mm-hmm. Or, or, or what, what are we doing here? And it's okay to take that, that small step towards, you know, show up. First, the first step of doing anything is to show up. Show up, go, try, go to Starbucks and sit there and drink your coffee. The next day, go talk to five people. The mm-hmm. next day, figure out why those first five people you talked to didn't want anything to do with you and figure out what you need to do differently. You know, mm-hmm. so it's, it's a constant iteration here. But, um, and, and it could be P or it could be NP, Jimmy. But ultimately, what you're trying to do is get people to go, oh, I love what you're doing. Yeah. I'm trying to solicit a, a reaction here that is positive towards the gain of a customer. Mm-hmm. So look, you're talking about prospect, and let me ask you a different question, Adam, because you are a, you love marketing. Yep. I mean, you were at one point the VP of marketing, um, and it, it's kind of two twofold. Um, what are the marketing activities that you believe increase productivity? So, like, what is the marketing that an agent should do? If because you're saying surfing Facebook doesn't count and hanging at Starbucks doesn't count, I, I agree. I think you have to have strategy to coincide with what those would be basically tactics. But what are the marketing activities that increase productivity? And then a follow up would be what are some of the specific marketing campaigns that Remax has done? that you felt really just hit the nail on the head because Remax has commercials, mm-hmm. social media. Mm-hmm. You guys are really good at marketing as a brand. So it's twofold. What marketing activities should agents be doing? And then what are some of the highlights from the marketing you've seen Remax do? All right. I, I, I love this. So, uh, I mean, first of all, not all marketing works for all people. I think, mm-hmm. I think we need to just establish that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if you're not willing to follow up on your leads, then don't go do lead generation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if, if you know nothing about Facebook, don't go buy Facebook ads because ultimately someone's going to go, Hey, I saw you on Facebook. I sent you a messenger message. And you didn't reply to me like, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, um, I mean, you, you've got to be able to, where's your business come from in the past and how can mm-hmm. you magnify that? through your communication, through your marketing, and then scale it. Mm-hmm. How can you scale that? So if, if that maybe was that you were sitting at Starbucks and you have your logo on the front of your laptop and you position yourself right there in front of the cash register and everybody, you know everybody sees it because they're looking right there to see if their coffee's ready or something like that, and you end up talking to people, did that scale? Mm-hmm. And if it did, Okay, how do I do more of that? Well, maybe I spend a, a little bit more time there, or maybe, maybe I pay somebody, another newer agent in my office or something, to sit there with that in order to get, gain leads for me or something like that as, as a buyer's agent for me or something of that nature. But ultimately, what has is, what is, what is worked and can it scale? Mm-hmm. And if, it, if you don't have something that you can scale, okay, there are a lot of things that can scale. One, we do know the social media advertising does scale. How do, you, how do you do that? Well, you do some split testing and you add a little bit more money to it 
uh, and then, and then, you know, do some targeting, things of that nature. So ultimately, does it scale and can you continue to repeat it? And if you can, can you create efficiencies in your business out of it? Mm-hmm. The number of customers generated. Ultimately, what we do know in this business, there's one thing that scales better than anything else, and that's relationships. Mm. Relationships scale in this business. So, take all the rest of everything else out of it. The person that has the most closest relationships in this industry is likely, likely because you could be saying the wrong things, likely to turn more business year after year. Well, just expand on that for one second because, you know, there's that famous Dunbar's law, right? Which is, what is it, Chris? 130 people or so. That's, that's how many relationships an individual can manage. So, how do you see in 2020, Adam? What is it? As a 150? Yeah, close enough. Okay. So, between Chris and I promise ourselves we're not going to do math on the air because we always get it wrong. <laughs> between 130 and 150. So, someone look, at us, look that up for us and just drop us a, a tweet. So, how do you actually intimately scale? Because what, what I'm hearing you say is this, productive agents focus on the relationships they have with their customers. And at the exact same time, you're saying, do things that scale. So how do you scale intimate relationships? If that is the sort of secret sauce we're looking for, and there are obviously studies that reflect, you know, you can only do it to a certain amount. How do you think about that in, in sort of a modern digital first world, Adam? All right. Uh, I, got, I got two quotes for you that I've been using here to, to explain this. Uh, first one is presence creates trust. Okay. Mm. So um, there's something called the mirror exposure effect and it's psychology effect where theoretically, the more you see something, the more you want something. Mm-hmm. You just, you know, you picture, uh, let's say you looked up a, a basketball on Amazon and now there's a basketball everywhere you turn on the internet, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's because Jeff Bezos knows about the mere exposure effect and knows the more basketballs I can put in front of you, the more likely you are to buy one that you see. Mm-hmm. So presence creates trust. You, we, in sales, we all went through this KLT, the no like and trust cycle. You got to get to trust before people want to do business with you. So this right now we're in a speed to trust environment because nobody mm-hmm. trusts anything right now. You know, we're, we're hearing all sorts of noise, fear, distraction, whatever in society. We don't know who to trust or what to trust. You have to be the one that they trust. So you have to be present to all of the people that you've had a past relationship with and you have to care about them. They don't care how much you know until you, they know how much you care, right? Mm-hmm. They're cliche, but it's absolutely true. So you've got that. So that's how we deepen that in order to maximize it. And, and through our, our um, acquisition of First, the, the AI company that, that goes into your contact list and tells you who you're missing in your, um, your leads, yep. all the people that you know says, okay, these people signed up with another agent. You know, you're driving down the street and you see somebody else assigned in, their, in your best friend's front yard. Mm-hmm. All that is, it's like a dagger to the heart. Well, we know you miss 70% of your contacts, 70% of the people that you know do business with another agent. Mm-hmm. So how do we deepen that? You got to be present with them. So presence creates trust. And the second thing I will say is you just can't do it once a year. Oh, I contacted them this year. I try to hit everybody once a year. I've heard that in, in the real estate space. That's a bunch of BS. Mm-hmm. People forget about you in like three months mm-hmm. maximum. Mm-hmm. What's the last restaurant you went to eat at before COVID? Can you tell mm-hmm. me? No, probably not. So, so they don't remember who their real estate agent is. Mm-hmm. So top of mind is first in line. Mm-hmm. Okay. Top of mind is first in line in any 
business. So if they trust you and you're top of mind, they're thinking about you. Yeah. And those conversations come into, oh, I know what you do. Or maybe I don't know what you do, but I know you're big in the community. So I'm going to ask you a question about what's the best place to go get pizza, whatever. And mm-hmm. you're, you're there to help. Yeah. And what I'm hearing you say, and Chris, I want you to explain for our community, because it's something you talked about in the conversion code, the difference between time-based versus behavior-based. Because what I'm hearing you say, Adam, is that, you know, if you put people on a schedule where it's once every six months or once every 12 months, it becomes too rigid. And there's probably a lot of opportunities that exist between those times that there's an opportunity to reach out, which Chris can sort of expand on. But what I'm hearing you say is that if you invest in marketing yourself the right way, and you invest in building your brand the right way, that it's not about necessarily being intimately involved in terms of you constantly personally reaching out. It's them being aware that you're still in the game. And uh, we see that a lot with agents who are, you know, the funny thing we've seen is we've seen agents reach out to us recently, Adam, who have been, have been historically agents where their entire business has come from open houses, have come from just in-person events, and, and because those two things have basically become non-existent, they don't know what to do. They're not, they're not first in line. They're not top of mind. They're not, they're not actually having any presence. So they're turning to digital as a sort of like, you know, I got to get on, I got to get online. And, and so we're seeing some of that. But Chris, I want you to expand on that just a bit because I think it's a really important point that Adam's making here about scaling relationships. Well, I think the, the one-to-many aspect of email marketing, content marketing, social media, video, that's where you really, I think, can, can scale the presence piece. Mm-hmm. I think where people miss out is they, they do end up using it primarily as a megaphone and they don't turn the corner and they don't use the back channels. Mm-hmm. The private messages, the t- text messages. Like, I think in a perfect world, you're doing both. And to your point, Jimmy, you calling or you texting or you private messaging somebody that you know, it's so much more powerful if it's on the back of something they posted. Mm-hmm. Like, I saw uh, a couple things today. Like, I saw one of our clients in Florida and her husband had this just like crazy bad back surgery and he's Mm -hmm. just laid up and he's going through a hard time and he can barely walk and he can barely eat. And, you know, that becomes a very real chance to say, Hey, I saw what you're going through and I'm sorry that you're going through it. And if you need anything, let me know. Mm -hmm. Right. So I I think it's about the counter punch, right? It's about using the megaphone, using Instagram, using stories, using Twitter, using LinkedIn, and using email marketing Mm -hmm. to be in front of your audience to be present at scale. Mm -hmm. But then it's about turning the corner, like you said, Jimmy, and based on their behavior, Mm -hmm. can you go deeper with the ones that matter? So as an example, a good tactic people can use is a subject line of an email that says, are you selling your home soon? Question mark. Mm -hmm. If you send that to all of your clients, any of the ones that open it, you need to talk to them as soon as you can, because the fact that they would even open an email with that subject line is them showing you that they may be on the list. Adam mentioned of the 70% of people that aren't going to do business with you. Yeah. 
Yeah. And even this astronaut are even worse. It's like 91% of people say their agent did a good job and 9% of them use them. Yeah, it's depressing. It's it it's is super. depressing. You've got to earn it. Yeah. And, and Adam, you're right. Frequency matters uh-huh. because, you know, we make sure, at least for our customers, we think, you know, content and, and information for your past clients and your sphere of influence, that should be a part of your marketing plan every month. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people where maybe they do a quarterly check-in or maybe it's just that home anniversary note, you know, or maybe it's the Christmas card, uh, but annual is over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once a year, you're nothing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are kind of the, the thoughts I have. But Adam, I want to go back to my other question. Yep. The, the part two. Remax has in the past, and I'm guessing still now, put a lot of time and thought and worked with agencies and done commercials and has a great social media team. What is some of the marketing that, you know, because I'm, I'm guessing that most of the marketing you guys do as a brand could be twisted or massaged or tweaked to become very effective at the local level. So what, when you think about whether it was when you were in the marketing department or now as the CEO, can, can you name a campaign or two that you really thought struck a chord? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, the, we needed to take the salesy out of real estate marketing. Mm-hmm. So we, several years ago, we, we started hitting that hard where we went out and we did surveys of, you know, 5,000 plus people. You know, not, not small survey groups like you normally see. Like, you know, most political surveys are 500 to 800 people typically. We surveyed like 5,000 people, different demographics, different generations, different countries, things like that to try and figure out what people wanted. And ultimately what you're looking for is what words are they using to talk about what their desires are, what their fear of loss is, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So we came up with, that's the sign of a Remax agent. Mm-hmm. And, and now, and, and then we went to, you know, we've done this a million times before, things like that. And, and what you're trying to do is you're trying to create trust with people, mm-hmm. but talk to them in the language that they want and not try and sell them something for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. So we, we switched to very much a personalization strategy and, and our, our amazing uh, marketing agency that we use, Camp and King, uh, helped us come up with all this. They're out of, um, out of the Presidio in San Francisco. Great great team of people there uh, went out and helped us talk to so many different consumers. Really what we found is people want to know that you're like them and that you're not going to talk down to them, but you're going to help them out of their fears and out of their challenges in this space. So that's how we started patterning all of our our speech, Mm -hmm. our marketing. And then the people delivering it have to be more like the people that want it. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you have to look at what is the consumer like? Mm-hmm. You know, the consumer is, is relatively lighthearted. Why are they moving? Okay. How can we portray that in our, uh, our marketing, things of that nature? So, I mean, we spend millions and millions of dollars mm-hmm. trying to get exactly the look, the sound, the feel. How does this touch your heart? Mm-hmm. How does it make you you know, think about the commercial at the end of the day, and then we measure. 
and measure and measure and measure and make adjustments and measure. And it's, um, you know, so I, I would say that it's the past campaigns, it, you know, looking at one particular campaign, I don't think we can particularly say is, is way better than another. It's been an evolution of probably three or four campaigns over the past three or four years that have continued to get better and better for us. Yeah. And it's about personalizing what we're talking about, which really is, you know, you, we're not reading from a script of going, hi, what, are you interested in buying and selling real estate right now? Mm-hmm. We're out there going, we get you and we're here with you to help you through challenging things to help you find your dream and what you're looking for in life yeah. to help your family, things like that. So, so, so dropping that messaging, that technique and philosophy into digital where agents can take and We have, we can, um, it's, we, we've got a, a program online that agents can go in and just drop those three to five second spots together and then throw their end card into it so they can be the star of that commercial and yeah. redeploy that. So yeah. we've kind of taken and redeployed that. And then of course that goes straight out to your digital mm-hmm. or you can email it out or deliver it however you want. Yeah. What it's, I'm hearing there, Chris, is you spend all this money with a fancy firm in San Francisco, and you surveyed 5,000 people to, to learn that real estate is a very emotional experience for people. And you know, you, you, you know why Remax is gonna win and companies like Open Door are gonna lose? I was on a panel with uh, this guy from Open Door, and they believe that buying a house is like buying a tomato. That's the analogy he gave. And he talks about you know millennials, I am actually technically a millennial, Millennials want speed, they want convenience, they want access, they want things available instantly because we grew up in a world where that was the norm, right? Or at least we live in a world where that's the norm. And, and, and what they fail to realize is, and what you just spoke about is that as long as there are gonna be therapists, there will be real estate agents, which is that the buying and selling of real estate is a deeply illogical and emotional decision. Of course, you look at the numbers and the profit and loss and the proceeds and whether you can use it to buy a new house. But in Silicon Valley, Adam, they just look at you know uh, putting you into a machine and kicking out the results faster and more efficiently. And I think they, they fail to make the connection, which is why I think a lot of these Silicon Valley companies uh, are, actually not, are, are actually not going to disrupt these incumbents. And I do have questions about, you know, how you guys are staying innovative and we want to obviously focus on productivity. But I think what I'm hearing you say is that if your advice is for agents out there who are listening today, if you're trying to scale your relationships, if you're trying to market yourself more effectively, focus on the emotional side of the transaction, because that's ultimately how consumers see the value in the service you offer. If it's just simply speed, well, they can get it cheaper, faster from somebody else. But if they feel they can trust you to help navigate the scenario, well, then obviously you're worth it at that point. And I think all of us in this call today have all worked with experts and all with coaches and consultants where we're just paying them for their ability to help us make better decisions. And that's what I'm hearing you say, Adam. Yeah. Adam, let me ask you a question about measuring those campaigns because a lot of the people watching right now or listening on the replay, they are doing videos. So let's say, you know, you guys have TV commercials, but they're doing videos. Maybe they're doing Facebook Live. Maybe they're doing Zoom interviews. Maybe they're doing videos of their listings. They're doing social media. They're doing Instagram. 
what do you when you're trying to make your marketing as productive as possible like mm -hmm. one of the things that you understand when you do marketing is that you can't always connect every dot like how many people saw the remax commercial mm -hmm. and then because of that commercial called a remax agent it's it is literally impossible to know that that now technology's gotten better and you can use certain domains and mm -hmm. you can have them scan something on the screen and you can try to measure everything. But as a guy that loves marketing and as someone that is spending millions of dollars on marketing campaigns, what do you measure if your goal is to say this campaign was successful? So what are the analytics that you think people should pay attention to on the back end of them doing marketing? So the, you know, Measuring analytics of a national television campaign is way different than measuring analytics of, you know, you and your marketplace doing mm -hmm. your marketing, first of all. Um, I mean, ultimately, marketing is the long game. And anybody who gets into marketing today is not going to go out tomorrow and go, oh, yes, that one was a home run. I mean, that's just, it is... And I mentioned the mere exposure effect. You know, it's this. These are deposits into a branding account, into the knowledge base of the consumer of who are you. And we know that also in our industry because you look at it and you go, "Oh, that person's been in this neighborhood for decades, and everybody knows them." They didn't know them on day one. So there's there's a difference between national advertising and measuring things like that, where we measure sentiment, we measure scope and reach. And, and how many, you know, IP addresses something hits and, and um, you know, what, what the number of views are and things like that on all these different campaigns. And we have benchmarks that we, we push against on that. But ultimately, what you need to figure out is, okay, what kind of reaction are you getting in your marketing locally mm -hmm. and, and survey and, and look for that? Um, you know, it, it's, you know, the, the beauty of social media advertising and, and dropping a pixel and, and, um, retargeting and things like that is you can get some of those and you can split test on a small level and figure out, oh, all right, what is the statistical significance of this one versus this one? And everybody thinks it's about impressions and clicks. It's not. It's about statistical significance. Mm -hmm. It's what is your P factor in this particular ad? And if, if you're not familiar with, with um, you know, Go, go back to college statistics class and, and look at what is the P factor. And that's how you should be benchmarking what is being looked at in your advertisements, uh, the, the scientific aspect of what people are noticing and why and, and uh, things of that nature. It's, it, it's a deep science to measurement. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, agent, you know, on an, on an agent level, okay, I, I don't have time to go out and hire a, a data scientist to figure this out. Um, what do I need to look for? You need to look for reaction. And what are the words that people react with? And then change your words and figure out, okay, what are the words they're reacting to now? Um, you know, ultimately ask good questions. What's your biggest challenge when it comes to buying or selling a house? Mm -hmm. And figure out what they're saying. But, uh, you know, there, there's so many different ways to measure it. But I, I, I will say this. You're, you're spending time that you could be talking to a, cons a customer mm -hmm. if you're sitting there trying to figure this stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. So just get somebody to do it for you. Yeah. <laughs> I, in my book, in the analytics chapter, which is the last chapter, 
I talk about what I call G squared, which is your gut and your growth. Okay. Those are the two most important analytics. Do you feel like the marketing that you're doing is good? And do you feel proud of it? Are you glad it's happening? And then is your business growing? Because I'll be honest, Adam, just being really transparent, we will get on the phone with a curator client that we've been doing their marketing for call it a year, a year and a half. And they'll call us and say, hey guys, I'm not sure what's happening with my curator account. I'm not sure if it's working, right? Because it's marketing. They're not sure if it's working. And what we always ask, the first question we ask is, how's your business doing? Oh, best year ever, by far. I I doubled my business in the last 12 months. Mm -hmm. So you're doing marketing every week and every month. It's quality that's consistent and your business doubled. Let's go ahead and just give a little bit of credit to the fact that you are actually doing marketing consistently, even if you can't necessarily, like I said, they watch this video and then they bought this. But what I found is that the agents that do track down to the penny and it's hard to, but you know, cause part of the re the only way, quite frankly, if you're a real estate agent, the only way to truly track ROI of everything you're doing is you actually have to ask every single person that you work with, Hey, how'd you find out about us? Why'd you reach out to us? Because mm-hmm. if you do start to ask that question, they'll say things like, well, we've been seeing you guys doing uh, Facebook posts for a couple months now. Or they'll say, well, we went to your website. We we're really impressed by the, the design, right? Like if you ask, you'll find out. And some of it will be word of mouth or referrals, right? Mm-hmm. But when a client comes to us with a notebook and says 3,800% ROI on this, or we spent Four, you know, we spent $42,000 on Facebook and we got $8 back for every dollar that we spent. Well, it's because they're asking. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to ever, at least this is my opinion, Jimmy, but I don't think you can go into Google Analytics and figure it out. I don't yeah. think you can go into your Facebook insights and figure it out. I don't even know if you can go into your CRM and figure it out. I think that if you really want to know where your business is coming from, yeah. You have to make it a part of your process to ask. Yeah. Well, well, Adam, I have a question on the topic of leadership in terms of building a, a productive team. You know, we talked a little bit about, about uh, building an individual agent's production, right? The, the NP versus P. But just to react to what you said there, Chris, um, you know, the, the most famous commercial in the history of advertising arguably, you know, the, the most impactful when you think about it over the course of the last 50 years was the 1984 commercial from Apple. Mm-hmm. And you both were like, that was on your top three list, right? As we're talking through that. Well, I'm not sure people realize this, but they showed that commercial to the board of directors prior to releasing it on the Super Bowl. And every single person said, for the love of God, do not air that ad. And obviously, job is like, F it, we're doing it, right? <laughs> and, and they did. And it became this iconic commercial. And the reason I bring this up, Chris, is because you're right. It is G-squared. There are marketing data and metrics you can measure. And Adam's talking about that too. You can look at sentiment. You can look at reactions. And these are, these are ultimately, they're a, a signal that you can use to make a more informed decision. But they should not dictate 
the decision. And, and I think this is what I like to see agents out there who are listening today, take more risks, mm-hmm. get out there and do more interesting work, inspiring work. That's, that's where like the th- you know, I remember Chris, when, um, the Sage brothers from Toronto, when they were the first ones to go out there and do like actor, um, actors having in, in like the, a listing present or a listing video. They had like actors like acting and coming home from a long day. And, and, and that trend kind of kicked on. Well, there's no data that tro- told them to do that and, and go that direction. So I, I just like when people use data to inform their decision, but not make their decision. Adam, let me ask you a question about leadership because I think everyone who's watching today uh, has this desire not only to be productive for themselves, but to be productive for their entire organization. They want everybody firing all cylinders. Um, How does a leader instill productivity in the DNA of the organization? It's one thing for you personally to go through your NPs and Ps for you to sort of measure your calendar, but you're the CEO of Remax and your job is to make sure not only that you're successful, clearly, right? That's like your sort of second or third job. It's really making sure the people that report to you and the people that report to the people that report to you are successful. So how do you instill productivity in the DNA of the organization? Great question, Jimmy. Um, and, and by the way, yes, the gut check matters on, mm-hmm. on the marketing, Chris. So I, I love that, uh, that uh, final check on, on the marketing. Um, the, I, this is a great question simply because so many people try to figure out what this formula is mm-hmm. and, and they struggle with it. And then you have people who are struggling with it, go sit in their office and close a door and bark orders and try and manage a company or manage a business. And it just doesn't work. The, the reality is leadership is created by demonstrating the values and the actions that you want the people in your business to be doing. So basically, you got to lead by example. Mm-hmm. There's, there are these things called mirror neurons. And if, if you're sitting on your butt in your office and you're not doing the things that you want other people to be doing, you got and you scratch your head. I wonder why they're not doing that. It's because you're not willing to do it either. Mm-hmm. And I've always believed that the the people that that are in an organization are going to look at the leader and go, "What pace are they setting? What pace are they setting?" Because I'm going to try and keep up with them. Mm-hmm. And it's it's lonely out front because you're going to be running along at your pace, wondering if somebody's following you. And you might have to look back and go, all right, come on, guys, come on, let's try this. And they're afraid to try it. And you say, look, I'm going to try it, and then you try it, okay? So, um, you know, realistically, you've, you've got to be hungry to try and do, and then you need to be hungry to give as well. You, you got to constantly be willing to, you know, go out and learn something new and go, let's get better together. I'm going to go learn this, and then let's refine it, and I'll give it back to you. Mm-hmm. So, um, and one thing that Dave Linegar always told me, he goes, if you want to be incredibly successful as a leader, be a sponge. Mm-hmm. And I thought, all right, sponge, you know, and everybody takes that as I'm going to go read a whole bunch of books, which is a bunch of BS. It means go gain a bunch of knowledge and then wring it out and give it back. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's, that's really what it boils down to. And all that's dictated by your habits. Mm-hmm. It's all dictated by what you do each day. And it's not just, okay, I'm only good at reading and redistributing information. That's a bunch of BS. You got to be good holistically. 
you got to live a good life. You got to follow your values and wear them on your sleeve. You got to be out there helping people visibly without being asked or told. Mm-hmm. There's always somebody that's going to, you know, that you're going to ask or that's going to tell you. You got to be taking the work ethic and the initiative to do this. And people will see you and they will follow you. And if they don't, maybe you know they're not on the right team. Mm-hmm. You got to be willing to cut loose of people who aren't going to carry your values. That's one of the hardest things that a leader does is, is you know, prunes the rose bush mm-hmm. so that the flowers get bigger. Yeah. I have one last question, Chris. Um, Adam, first off, thank you for being a part of the water cooler. You know, we love having you on. Uh, I'm, I'm taking pages of notes here, books I want to read, research I want to do here. So I appreciate it. I'm learning a ton. So thank you for that. I know our community loves the knowledge you're sharing here. You're in a unique position where you run a global brand. That's a big deal. Uh, you know, sometimes you may feel like, you know, your, your job isn't that big, but I tell you right now from the outsider perspective, Remax is a global brand. There are very few of those. It's a small list of, in, uh, of companies. And Chris and I have been running Curator now, Chris, for nearly 10 years. How long has Remax been ex- in existence for? Since 1973. Okay. So I'm not going to do the math that quickly, but shy of 50 47 years. 47 years. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so, so the idea that, in, I, I, and I think people who are watching today, I have such admiration and respect for an organization that can be around for, for half of a century. If you study business, you realize two things. First, that that is incredibly rare, right? If you look at the, the, the Dow, like the companies in the 1900s who were uh, on the Dow, like look, one of them still exists. I think it's GE, right? I think it's kind of it maybe. And for a company to be around for 50 years, it's, it's, it's truly remarkable. The second thing is you have successfully had a transition of power which is very rare too. Typically the founder, if they aren't successfully, they're not doing their job well, if they didn't do his job well, Remax would not survive his retirement. So, so my question for you is this, when you look to the future, you now are at the helm of Remax. What are you excited about? What is the vision for you? Where are you making the big bets and the big investments? We hear constantly, because we're so close to technology and marketing and sales, about AI, about machine learning, about big data, about uh, automation. We hear about all these things. And, and Remax being companies been around for half of a century, what do you, what's exciting you guys? Like, where are you guys looking to in the future? What, is, what does that vision look like for you right now? What, do you, what are you going to make in the big investments in? So kind of two perspectives to this. I, I believe in experts that are empowered. So, you know, the, the, the beauty of the, the business model that Dave and Gail built in, in 1973 is that it focuses on one thing, and that is an expert agent helping people. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that is, in fact, our surveys show, I talked about, you know, all those surveys, millennials want a professional real estate agent more now than any other generation has wanted one. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I see that as, as a huge opportunity. Real estate transactions are not getting easier. They're getting far more complicated and scary and litigious and mm-hmm. risky and things like that than we've ever seen. And the more that's going on out there, and as you know, this massive amount of homes that have been built in the you know, 80s, 90s, 2000s ages, it's going to take an agent to help people through the challenges of those homes more than ever before. So, 
a professional real estate agent, an expert in the space is needed more now than ever. You can't be an expert by dabbling. You just, you got to focus. So I'm super excited about that. The direction that this goes with the professional agents, but I'm also excited about the, the way that we empower those agents through digitization, through the use of video, which, you know, if you're looking for a silver lining of COVID, it's agents now use video. Okay. I mean, you know, the, the first video call was made in 1964 for crying out loud. Mm. So why is it taking the pandemic for us now to all start using video and, and look good in this little box? And some people still are struggling to figure it out, but figure out digitization mm-hmm. that, you know, how you communicate with people and how you measure that communication and your interaction with them through data. Mm-hmm. So those are the things that we're really working on heavily in our organization. And, and I think our industry as a whole is focusing on that. Great people with great technology helping the consumer. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's really, um, you know, to sum it up, that's, that's a direction I see the industry, the organization, um, you know, the associations affiliated with us, all of our, you know, our different partners in, in the real estate transaction, if you're not willing to get on board with that and you think you're just going to go out and do business the way that you did it 5, 10, 15 years ago and not update the information that you get or how you deal with people, I think you're going to miss out on the future. So, uh, those are our focuses. Yeah, I love that. I think this idea of the empowered agent and whatever that means in terms of how you use technology is a very smart approach. You guys can connect with Adam on Twitter. I think, are you just at Adam Contos on Twitter, Adam? Uh, yeah, or just, just type in Remax Adam Contos and you can find me pretty much. And anywhere. you have your own podcast, Start With a Win? Start With a Win. You can find me at startwithawin.com. Um, we're actually coming up on 100 episodes here pretty soon. So pretty excited about that. Congratulations. Adam, thank you so much for being on The Water Cooler. We enjoyed it thoroughly, my friend. Thanks, guys. Great to see you both. Thanks, Adam. Great to see you. Congrats on all your success. Thanks. So, Jimmy, oh. rapid fire. Adam's yes, a smart guy. You know what's funny is, I don't want this to sound weird, but he's smarter now. He <laughs> yes. should be. It's six years later, but he, being the CEO, for I mean, he's just, he's on it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, you're right. To take over an organization like Remax that is so built around Dave Linegar and his lineage and his brand, like, uh, I'm going to give you one of uh, my son always, he's like full of knowledge. He always says fun fact. <laughs> fun fact, Dave Linegar invented business cards with pictures on them. Like, that is a that is apparently a a true statement they're the first business cards with the picture of the realtor on the card yeah came came when's the last time you carried a business card you know when you go to trade shows they're worth having you go to networking events they're they're worth having i'm not a i'm not a business card basher um, I'm not a business card basher either. I just, it was just, it was a question out of curiosity because I haven't had one in like five years and I always feel like super unprofessional when I'm at an event. So I was like, do you have your business card on? Yeah. You're like, I actually don't have any business cards. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I've seen people with, uh, like a, a modification on their car mm-hmm. that actually like was like a, a plastic case that you could open and take a business card. <laughs> 
Please take one. So yeah, you know, Adam's on top of it. Yes. And listen, it's tough right now to be a brokerage. There mm-hmm. is more competition than ever. Yeah. There are more options than ever. It's probably easier to be independent than ever, even yeah. if you don't even want to work for a franchise. They got 130,000 agents, Jimmy. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. So let's get into rapid fire. Rapid fire is our way of wrapping up every show. We give you tips, tricks, tactics, tools, apps, books. We've got five today. All right. So, so you want me to set this first one up for you? Yeah, set this up because I want to hear you say the name of it. This is my, this, just to be clear, and I look at a lot of stuff. Yes. This, this is something that I got more excited about than almost anything I've seen in a while. What is our first uh, tool today on Rapid Fire? I'm not even going to describe what it is. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's, hmm? No, nope. you said it wrong. It's not, you forgot the first part. Oh, it's mmm. Mmm? No, it's both. You have to combine them. All right, combi- mm-hmm. come on. Come it's on. Like when I feel like this is, you made this thing up. Just to, just I did to, not just make this me up. live on the water cooler. It is called right. mmm. Okay. Mmm. Mmm. So, like, are you from Boston? Mmm. <laughs> Do you live in Orlando, Chris? Mmm. So it is it is M M M H M M M. Okay. And I swear to God, this is real. So what this they got the dot com? <laughs> the guy that created it, he said, We wanted you to be able to say it while your mouth was full of food. But okay. Funny. But in all seriousness, the guy that created this is the guy that created Evernote. Yeah. Bill Libin. Smart. I actually interviewed him at Inman yeah. on stage, which was like really a highlight of my career. Yeah, it was, it was fun to get to do that. This is, it's in closed beta, so you have to request an invite. This is called Mm-hmm, and this is a plug-in for Zoom, okay? And the concept is that Zoom right now is very archaic. It, it, it works and everybody's using it, but to do a presentation over Zoom, to have a really, like when we do the water cooler, we wanna be able to pull up graphs, we wanna be able to pull up slides, we wanna be able to yes. pull up websites, we might wanna be able to mirror our phone on the screen, things of that nature. And so what we, what mm-hmm does, is they call it like SNL weekend update for anyone. You can have like a John Oliver style set. You can pull to the graphics. You can move yourself down and to the left. Like they're going to have a co-presenting option, Jimmy, where instead of you and I being in two separate squares here, however people are watching it right now through YouTube and through Zoom and Facebook. Yeah. It will actually put both of us into the same frame. Okay. We can have slides behind us. We can have graphics pop up. It's an interactive way to present information over Zoom. Mm-hmm. And I can see it really taking off. Whether you're a realtor doing a listing presentation virtually, okay. whether you're a podcast or a show like ours trying to pre- present information graphically, mm-hmm is the first one. <laughs> Rapid fire. I swear it's real. Mm-hmm. All right. 
we're gonna have to edit this rapid fire all right <clears throat> next one is a book you recommended to me yes um and listen you know one of the things that we always do at water uh, at water cooler and a curator is we always look to the past whether it's david ogilvy's book on advertising or the scientific advertising book uh books that are written maybe 30 40 50 years ago mm -hmm. we always go back chris and we look at these books for inspiration the the book that you recommend to me that i picked up is called the wizard of ads break it down for us yeah, this is great. So I wanted, I was going to run and grab it. It's in the next room, but basically okay. this is a, this is an ad agency executive from before when there was technology, before there was the internet, yep. before there was email. And what he would do is he would write letters to his clients mm -hmm. about how they could put amazing tactics and angles and strategies and emotion into yeah. their advertising and marketing efforts. It's called The Wizard of Ads. Mm -hmm. It's actually, let me see if it's on Amazon. It is, yeah, it is, it is on Amazon. I actually, if I recall, it's, it's like semi-expensive. Let me see. No, 16 bucks. The okay. Wizard of Ads. The guy's name was Roy Williams, turning words into magic and dreamers into millionaires. I wanted to recommend it because it's practical. It's mm -hmm. inspiring. Mm -hmm. It gives you, it's, it, it, you feel like this guy's your coach. Mm -hmm. It's just these letters that he was writing to his clients when you actually had to type a letter. Yeah. Mail it to your customers. Exactly. Stuff, the wizard of ads. The next one, and I think I mistyped it. Uh, anytime you're looking for a good subject line, a good blog post title, a good headline for a page on your website it can be hard to come up with like a tagline right mm -hmm. um, everybody struggles with this so there's a new tool called headline yep headline like the fruit with an dot io headline okay. yep. dot io and what you do is it's pretty smart you, you it's almost like mad libs you just plug in information about your industry your customers, your business, and it will actually generate headlines for you. It's a super cool interface. It's easy to use. It's free. Headline.io. Jimmy, I'll set you up for the next one. Sure. And uh, this is one that we clearly need right now. Stay <laughs> focused. Uh, this is a Chrome extension. Yes. Do people use anything but Chrome? I think the last data I saw on this, Chrome accounted for like 70% of all internet browsers. You have Chrome, you have Mozilla, you have Safari. Mobile, to be clear though, mobile is still dominated by Safari. So no, sure. no surprise to anybody else. So like Safari is the mobile browser of choice and then Chrome is the desktop browser of choice. So Stay Focused is a Chrome extension that essentially will block websites that you essentially want to avoid. You know, we talked about productivity this entire show about how to stay productive. And Adam has a great quote, which is time on target, right? Focusing on doing the things that actually have an impact. So what you may not know is that social media sites 
have sort of hacked our brains. Mm-hmm. Where Chris, if you just sat in front of a computer and you didn't even think, you opened up Chrome, chances are you're going to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, maybe LinkedIn or email. Like if you just didn't have a destination in mind, it is sort of your default. So what Safe Focus Chrome or Safe Focus does, it allows you to block these websites to sort of unhack your brain. And it's a crazy useful way to maybe stop being on social media all the time. I know, um, uh, Apple does this now, Chris, where they send you their weekly report and how much time you spend every day. And I always feel good, man. When like it's down, right? I always feel like, okay, maybe I was doing more work that actually mattered when it wasn't on social as active as I normally am. So stay focused. It's a Chrome extension. You can download it to avoid unintentionally, uh, going to social media just to basically lurk. Okay, and the last tool is also about focus. Yeah. And I'm actually very interested in this one. I'm going to download it and try it. This is something you found. Mm-hmm. Because I've been doing a lot more writing lately. Mm-hmm. And what I find is whether it's working on a book or a blog or an email or an ad, mm-hmm. you, need, you need to be focused. And there's so many distractions when you're trying to get in the zone. What is the, this is called brain.fm. So this is one of the tools I've actually been using for years now. Mm-hmm. And for, did you say, mm-hmm? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've been I'm using this. You, man, this guy's a genius. He so, the name of his tool all the time on accident. So I work at a coffee shop primarily now, usually outside where they got sort of outdoor seating here in Boston now. Mm-hmm. And so what it essentially is, it, it is and its intention or promises is that you put your headphones in and you listen to essentially sounds. It's not music. So it's not distracting. You're not thinking about the lyrics. You're not thinking about the, 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 the background set. Like it is scientifically proven to help you stay focused. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I listen to like 60 minute sprints or 30 minute sprints of brain on FM. And you know, it's, um, you know, our, 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 our buddy, um, uh, Darren Persinger used to talk about this idea of uh, it was it was what was it the tomato one which is twenty five minutes Pomodoro on. technique. Thank you, Pomodoro technique. Twenty five minutes on, five minutes off. So what I do using Brain.fm is I focus on a singular task. I put my headphones in, twenty five minutes, singular task. Like it, it, it's like sort of this repetitive sound that just kind of like gets me in the in the in the focus mode. And uh, I've I've used it for years. So it's one of those apps like you know sometimes we see new apps that that are interesting to us, but I've been using this thing forever, man. And I just find that when I listen to this weird, like sounds that like just are repetitive, I'm able to stay more focused. Interesting. I like it. The water cooler airs every week live. You can go to our, you, people ask me all the time, Jimmy, where can I watch the replay? Cause people can't always watch live. We mm-hmm. get it. You go to YouTube, search curator water cooler, or just search curator. All of our past episodes are there. If you prefer the audio edition, you can go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any podcast player, search Curator Water Cooler. And if you need help with your marketing, if you want to grow the way that we help people grow, Facebook, email, blogging, Instagram, website, CRM, we'd love to help you. That's what we do at Curator. Check us out. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Great episode, Jimmy. 